Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Popcorn plays Santa Claus. From Tales from the X-Bar Horse Camp by Will C. Barnes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pop Gun Plays Santa Claus. Salute your partners, let her go. Balance all and do si do. Swing your gal, then run away. Right and left and gent sachet. Whoa, Mac, there's a letter in the widow Miller's box. The pony sidled gingerly toward the mailbox nailed to the trunk of a pine tree, his eyes and ears watching closely the white sheet of paper that lay on the bottom of the open box held by a small stone which allowed one end to flutter and flap in the wind in a way that excited his suspicions. When the widow Miller wished to mail a letter, she placed it, properly stamped, in her box, and the first neighbor passing that way took it out and mailed it for her, she being some miles off the regular mail route. Gents to write, now swing or cheat, on to the next cow, and repeat. He chanted the old familiar frontier quadrille call as he tried to force the pony close to the box to reach the paper without dismounting. Stand still, you fool! He spurred the animal vigorously. That there little piece of paper ain't gonna eat you. But the more he spurred, the farther from the box went the animal. Beats all what a feller will do to save unloading himself from a hoss. He threw the reins over Mac's head, swung to the ground, and strode toward the box. Balance next and don't be shy. Swing your bards and swing em high. He sang as he lifted the stone and picked up the paper beneath it, which proved to be a large-sized sheet of writing paper folded three times. A one-cent stamp, evidently taken from some old letter, was stuck in one corner and beneath it was scrawled in a childish unlettered hand the words mr sandy claus the north pole almost reverently gibson unfolded the paper feeling he was about to have some youthful heart open to his curious eyes dear sandy claus it began 
Please bring me a train of railroad cars, and a pair of spurs, and a twenty-two rifle to shoot rabbits with, and a big tin horn. And Sandy, Mary wants a big teddy bear, and a real doll which shuts her eyes when she lays down. And Minnie, she's the baby, Sandy. So please bring her a picture book, and a doll, and a woolly lamb, and bring us all a lot of candy, and apples, and oranges, and nuts. For since Daddy went away, we ain't had none of them things much. Mother, she says you know just where we live, so don't forget us, for I've tried to be a good boy this year. James Simpson Miller, seven years old. Gibson felt a lump rising in his throat, and took refuge in song to hide his embarrassment. Bunch the gals and circle round, whack your feet upon the ground, form a basket, break away, swing and kiss, and all get gay. He wiped something out of the corner of his eyes with the back of his buckskin glove, and blew his nose savagely. Hmm, shucks, seems like I'm a-gettin' a cold in my head, he remarked sort of confidentially to the pony. Once more he read the letter. Hmm, shucks, wants a railroad train, eh? And a gunchester to kill rabbits, and a tin horn, and Mary wants a teddy bear, does she? And apples and oranges and candy for all of em. Say, Bill Gibson, it's up to you to play Santy Claus for these kids, and if you handle the job right, maybe you can convince their Aunt Nancy that she'd ought to say yes to a man about your size and complexion. Again, he broke into song. I'll a man left and balance all. Lift your hoose and let em fall. Swing your opposite swing again. Kiss the darlings if you kin. Get up, Mac. Let's get along to camp and let the bunch in on this Santa Claus game. Hmm, shucks. Nancy said she wanted a watermelon pink sweater, whatever color that may be, to wear to the New Year's dance up on Crow Creek. Reckon the thing won't cost more'n a month's pay. I'll just get her one if it takes my whole roll. Once more he dropped into song. Back your partners, do-si-do. Ladies break and gents you know. Crow hop out and dove hop in. Join your patties and circle again. Salute your partner, let her go. Balance all and do-si-do. Gents salute your little sweets. Itch and promenade to seats. That night, around the table in the bunkhouse of the Oak Creek Sheep Company, four or five men watched the foreman write a letter to the owner, Mr. Barrington, who was wintering on the coast. Briefly, he explained how the letter to Santa Claus fell into their hands, and the desire of the men at the ranch to furnish the children with all the things they asked for, and more. Miller, the foreman explained, had been accidentally killed a couple of years before, and his wife was putting up a hard fight to stay on the piece of land he had homesteaded long enough to get title to it from the government. There were three kids, he continued, James, the oldest, seven years, and two girls, Mary five and Minnie, the baby, two. The boys ain't a-limiting you in the cost. So please get anything else you and Mrs. Barrington thinks would please the kids and let me know the cost, and I'll charge it up to the boys' pay accounts. Also, Bill Gibson wants that Mrs. Barrington should pick out what he says is to be a watermelon pink sweater for Mrs. Miller's kid sister, Nancy. Bill says Nancy is just about Mrs. Barrington's size, and what'd fit her will fit Nancy all right. 
Bill, he says he reckons Mrs. B will savvy what a watermelon pink sweater is, which is more than any of us do. Three days before Christmas, Bill Gibson set forth for the railroad, twenty-five miles away, to bring back the expected Christmas stuff. There was two feet of snow on the ground, and the roads were impassable for wheels, so Bill took with him two pack animals, a horse and a mule. He figured he would be one day going and one coming, and that on Christmas Eve, after marking and arranging all of the presents, someone would ride down to the cabin and leave the whole business on the porch of the widow's cabin, where she would be sure to find it early Christmas morning. At the railroad, Gibson found the trains all tied up with snow to the west, and the packages had not arrived. Hmm, shucks, was his terse comment. Now wouldn't it just be hell if the plunder didn't come in time for them kids to have their Christmas tree? But late that night a train came through which brought the package he had come for. By unpacking the stuff from the box in which they were shipped, Gibson managed to get everything in the two yaks carried by the mule while upon the horse he packed a load of provisions for the camp. Barrington and his wife had added liberally to the list of toys, and, knowing well the conditions at the sheep ranch, had marked or tagged each article with the name of the child for which it was intended. Even Mrs. Miller had been remembered generously. The sweater was there, packed carefully in a fancy box. Bill loosed the ribbon that fastened it and slipped a card into the box on which he had laboriously written, To Miss Nancy, from her true friend, Bill. But the storm broke out again, and it was long afternoon the next day before he dared start, for the wind blew great guns and the air was filled with icy particles that no one could face. Leading the pack-horse with the mule tailed up to him, Gibson started for home, but made poor progress through the drifted snow. It was almost two o'clock the next morning when he passed the letter-box at the trail to the widow Miller's place. The moon had gone down behind the trees to the west, and it was quite dark, but here the wind had swept the ground bare of snow, and his progress with his rather jaded animals was much better. Sleepy and tired from his long ride, Gibson reached the ranch and rode into the warm stable to unsaddle. There, to his great surprise, he found he had but one animal behind him. The rope which had been around the mule's neck still dragging at the pack-horse's tail a mute evidence of what had happened. Hmm, shucks, he commented grimly. Won't them there boys in the bunkhouse give me particular hell for this night's work? Wearily he unsaddled and unpacked the horses. Still more wearily he dragged himself up the path to the house, stirred the fire in the fireplace into a blaze, and when the coffee was hot drank a cup, ate greedily of the food which the cook had left for him, crawled into his blankets, and in ten seconds was dead to the world. In his dreams he was swinging a rosy-cheeked girl through the steps of an old-fashioned quadrille, she being attired in a most gorgeous watermelon pink sweater. Swing your partners, swing again, kiss the darlings if ye kin. He essayed to kiss, only to be awakened on the verge of its attainment by a heavy hand on his shoulder, followed by a voice which demanded in no soft tones, Where's your Christmas plunder? He sat up in bed half-dazed by his night's experience. Come alive, Bill, come alive, and tell us about the things for the kids. We can't find them nowhere. 
Gibson yawned and rubbed his eyes in a vain attempt to delay the catastrophe which he knew would encompass him when he told of the loss of the pack mule. Before he dropped off to sleep, he had planned to get an early start in the morning back. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On his trail to try to find the lost animal. Popgun had been bought from the widow soon after her husband's demise, and he shrewdly guessed that the tired, hungry mule would most likely strike direct for his old and nearby home. He sprang from bed and grabbed his clothes. Hmm, shucks, he began. I reckon I done lost the mule coming home. Had him tailed up to old paint, and just about the time I passed the trail into Widow Miller's place, Paint set back on the lead rope and liked to pull the saddle off an old back, me having the rope tied hard and fast to the nub. He let up in a minute and come along all right, and I'm a-figurin' toward just about there that Popgun gets loose. He probably haven't been leanin' back on the pack horse's tail a right smart causin' Paint to pull back his self. Popgun likely stripped the rope over his head and, being about all in, turned off down the trail to the widder's and it's dollars to doughnuts he's a-eatin' hay in her shed right now. Me being tired and sleepy, I never sense the loss till I gets here with the mule's rope a-dragging along, still tied to paint's tail. Hmm, shucks, I'll find him or bust a shoestring. And to think they have to go all the way back to Africa to get ivory when there's such a lot of it to be had nearer home, was the sarcastic comment of the foreman. From the windows of the widow Miller's cabin, the whole world seemed wrapped in a mantle of white. Down along the creek in the meadow, the rose bushes and willows poked their heads above the snow. Changing their skirts for overalls, she and Nancy soon picked a couple of quarts of the brilliant red berries of fruit of the rose bushes. That night, as soon as the children were safely in bed, they started in on their Christmas tree preparations. Several days before, Nancy had slipped out into the timber and cut a small spruce, which she dragged to the stable and hid under some loose hay. And with an empty canned goods case and some stones, they managed to make a very satisfactory base for it. Over the coals in the fireplace, they popped a huge dishpan full of corn and worked late into the night stringing popcorn and the roseberries with which to festoon the tree. I've seen my mother use cranberries for the same thing, she told her sister, but these roseberries look quite as well, I think. From the pages of a mail-order catalog, they cut figures from the brilliantly colored fashion plates, which, pasted upon stiff cardboard and hung to the tips of the branches, made famous decorations, festooned with the long strings of roseberries and popcorn, with these gaily painted ladies of fashion dangling from every bough, it made a very satisfactory Christmas tree.
after placing upon it the presents for the children which they had been able to buy or make together with a few apples and oranges some stick candy each done up separately in paper just to make it seem more nancy said the two women retired for the night how long she had slept or what awakened her mrs miller could not tell but as she strained her ears for the slightest sound she imagined she could hear outside the footfalls of some heavy animal she knew it could be no bear for whatever it was the snow was crunching under its feet nor was it a human for the steps were those of a four-footed object the moon that earlier in the evening had flooded the valley until it was almost as light as day was now just dipping behind the mountain to the west throwing the stable into deep shadow from which the sounds now seemed to come there was a bare possibility of its being some range cow although they had all long since drifted down into the lower country but she finally decided it must be one of the big bull elks which regularly wintered on the wind-swept sides of the mountain above them and sometimes came down to the ranch seeking feed during times of heavy snow shivering with the cold she crept back to bed realizing that daylight would soon come rudely her dreams were broken by a sound that at first froze the very marrow in her bones but which with immense relief she instantly realized could come from the throat of but one animal and that a mule fortunately the children slept through it all and dressing as quickly as they could she and nancy started for the stable mrs miller armed with her automatic no sooner had they stepped from the porch than the mule that had been hanging about the stable trying to get in spotted them and greeted their coming with a series of brays and nickerings that showed his joy at seeing some human being it was popgun the pack still on his back leading him to the cabin the women quickly loosened the diamond hitch took off the canvas pack cover and piled the cacks upon the porch after which he was placed in a vacant stall in the stable and fed to the women versed in frontier ways and signs the solution of the visit from their long-eared friend was simple and they sized up the situation almost exactly as it had occurred therefore they felt certain someone would be on his trail before very long the rattle of the pack rigging on the porch aroused the children and when the women returned from the stable the two older ones were investigating the pack bidding them not to meddle with the things mrs miller and her sister went inside the house to get breakfast leaving the kids on the porch childish curiosity could not well be stifled especially on such a day as this they had been told stories of the coming of santa claus and while jimmy had learned that a reindeer looks very much like a bull elk he had once seen he also knew that all sorts of things could be packed in a pair of jacks and knew no reason why santa should not have availed himself of that means of transporting his gifts under certain conditions to loosen the straps that held the cack covers was an easy matter to lift up the heavy canvas covers was still easier and the first thing that met the eager eyes of both children was a long tin horn nested down in some excelsior as he pulled at it a fluttering tag caught his eye on it he read for james merry christmas one wild shout of delight and he gave a blast on the toy that brought both women to the door just in time to see mary drag from the kyak a huge teddy bear on this was another tag marked to mary 
Merry Christmas. Before his scandalized mother could collect their senses enough to stop him, Jimmy had dropped his horn and gone on a voyage of exploration into the depths of the two cacks. One of his first discoveries was the box containing the sweater. The tag tied to it cleared up in a measure the doubts which Mrs. Miller had had as to the propriety of thus making free with other people's property, and that Santa had been sent by the men at the sheep camp. An hour later a man rode down the trail back of the house and quite out of range of its windows. Tying his horse at the side of the stable away from the house, he crept to the corner of the building and cautiously peeped out. The smoke was curling briskly from the cabin chimney, and in the tense stillness he could hear noises which indicated very plainly that the letter to Sandy Claus had borne fruit. For the most ear-splitting sounds were coming from the cabin, sounds which he knew to be the natural results of three tin horns in the mouths of three delighted kids. As he stood there, a door slammed, and a girl stepped out on the porch, arrayed in the most gorgeous sweater he had ever imagined. On her head was a jaunty cap of the same color and material as the sweater, while in her hand she held a tin bucket, in which most unquestionably was the breakfast for the chickens, which were making loud demands for release from their log coop near the stable. In his inmost heart, Bill Gibson knew that if ever a man was blessed by the gods with the one opportunity of his life, it was facing him at that very moment. Nancy came tripping down the snowy path, a perfect picture of girlish beauty and happiness. Gibson drew back so she could not see him until she had turned the corner of the stable. As she did so and met his eyes, the song turned into a maidenly shriek. Her cheeks were blazing like two peonies. She tried hard to speak, but the words died on her lips. Mechanically, she set the bucket of feed on a small shelf where the chickens could not reach it. Bill interpreted the move as meaning either a fight or complete surrender. He believed it was the latter and took a step toward her. Christmas gift, Nancy, he said. His voice had an odd quaver in it. Old Santa seems to have brung you the sort of sweater you wanted. He was gaining confidence. He sure did, she replied, striving in vain to keep her eyes from meeting his. Nancy, he demanded, ain't you got nothing for me this grand Christmas morning? What you wanting, mostly? Her eyes fairly danced with mischief and telling what her lips dared not. A look of triumph swept over the man's bronze face. You! and I'm a-goin' to take it right here. He took a step toward her. She turned to run, but with one bound he was at her side, caught her in his arms, and fairly smothered her with kisses. He drew back his head and looked deep into her eyes. How about it? he demanded. About what? very archly. He kissed her a dozen times before she replied, nor did she seem to object to the action. You know the Christmas present I most want, Nancy. He drew her close to him. Her arms found their way about his neck. Bill, she whispered in his ear, you're an old darling. Let's go up to the house and tell the news to sister. End of Popgun Plays Santa Claus by Will C. Barnes